Happy signing day. Now let's break down Notre Dame's class of 2024, including which player is going to have the best career at Notre Dame and who's going to be able to contribute right away. That's all coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 20th, and thank you for getting your day started right here by making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and now I'm a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And this episode of Lockdown Irish is sponsored by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post a job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. The early signing period is officially here, and we have got a great show coming your way. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by recruiting insider Kevin Sinclair from Irish Illustrated to do a comprehensive breakdown of Notre Dame's 2024 recruiting class. We're going to go over the top players, biggest question marks, which guys can play right away, and a whole lot more. But we are taping this on Tuesday afternoon, the day before signing day, because I have to get on a flight to go visit my parents in Florida for Christmas. But right now... All signs point toward Notre Dame having a pretty anticlimactic signing day, which is honestly what we all need, especially after what we had to deal with last year on signing day with the Peyton Bowen saga and all the drama that came with that. So hopefully we won't have to deal with any of that this year and no crazy news uh, breaks out between now and the end of the day on Wednesday. If anything does or if anything crazy does happen, well, I guess you can blame me. So I apologize in advance, but let's bring in Kevin. All right, I'm joined now by a great friend of the program, recruiting insider Kevin Sinclair, to break down Notre Dame's class of 2024 now that we've officially reached the early signing period. At the time of this recording, Notre Dame has the ninth-ranked class according to the 24-7 sports composite. Now, that might change given some late movement on signing day at the top, but this looks like another really impressive haul for Marcus Freeman and his staff. So, Kevin, what do you see as the biggest strength of this group? Yeah, um, you know, for me... You know, the way I sort of judge a class is sort of two things, okay? One is just you want those great players who can play early uh, or just have great careers. You want the Jaden Greathouse types and the Jeremiah Loves, uh, guys like that we saw last year, Um, Ben Morrison and Joe Alt, like we saw the year before. And the other part is you want to meet your needs, of course, right? Um, You know, if, if there's a very urgent need in a class for, let's just say it was cornerbacks and that team signed zero cornerbacks, but they signed a couple of five stars at positions that are already loaded. The outlook there from a lot of people, fans, would be, oh, this is this great class. But in reality, it's not. And it's that's um, kind of um, goes to my point of, of needs, meeting those needs, addressing those needs, filling out the depth chart, super, super important. So, of course, impact, talent, and then meeting those needs, right? And to, to that point, in this class – Going into it, uh, Notre Dame had a you know a handful of needs, and I feel like they addressed almost all of them with really nice classes. And I'll, I'll be more specific: they they really needed a um, a variety of defensive ends and some quality guys. Um, hopefully, some that could potentially play early. That was one of the highest priorities, in my opinion. Uh, and they went out and they got you know Bryce Young, who I think is one of the best you know, probably one of the top 10 defensive ends in the whole class. 
uh, Logan Thomas, who's a legit four-star guy, and, and Cole Mullins is, you know, if, if I were to give just a couple of guys I think are underrated, he might be at the top of the list, you know. Um, so big time there. Notre Dame, of course, we all know the, the, the situation at receiver. Excellent receivers class. Um, you know, didn't land the Dante Moore or, you know, Vizina, any of those types in the previous class. Um, you know, ended up with a really nice quarterback, but needed that being a big impact quarterback. Got CJ Carr. So my, my point is the, the biggest win in this class, in my opinion, was if you look at the, um, you know, the, the handful of those priority needs, those urgent needs, they filled most of them with really good talent, in my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned him. We can't talk about this recruiting class without mentioning CJ Carr. He has been the face of this class really since the moment that he committed, and now he's already on campus working with the team as they get ready for the Sun Bowl. And let's be honest here, Notre Dame has been on somewhat of a bad streak over the past decade, really, with their highly ranked quarterback recruits, but Carr feels different. It's not just his ability, but his intangibles. What do you think makes CJ Carr different from some of the other top quarterbacks that Notre Dame has missed on? Um, yeah, you know, you look at who he is and where he comes from, right? He is from, um, I think I wrote about this in my most recent piece, comes from like, you know, a family tree that's like rooted directly in the game of football, right? With his his grandfather and uh, other members of his family, um, very involved in the game, whether it was playing the game at a high level or coaching um, so you you know, that matters, right? It's a kid who grew up around, um, you know, people who are experts and very experienced in, uh, the game of football, college football, at uh, the high levels. Um, and he's a, just a natural quarterback, you know, accuracy is something that quarterback coaches like a Gino Guadugli can, um, work, can workshop with a quarterback to improve. But I think most quarterback coaches will tell you that it can't, it's something that can't fully be taught. You know, it's a natural skill. Um, again, it can be improved incrementally, but it's, it's something that's uh, very much sort of God-given, I think, in a lot of quarterbacks. And C.J. Carr absolutely seems to have that. Watch a lot of his games um, this past season. Uh, and he was just carve-up defenses. Um Really, really good leader, very, very poised. And he's also very good at evading pressure, and he's very good at throwing accurately on the run as well. So kind of combine those things. You get this kid from a very prominent football family. He's naturally accurate. He can evade the pass rush, throws really well on the move. And then he's just a great kid and a leader. And, man, I'll tell you, he loves Notre Dame loves it you know it wasn't just about a cool coach he liked or you know cam williams and these guys uh receivers in the previous classes except no it's he loves notre dame and that's a great thing so you kind of put all that together and that's why he's different right um it's also from not too far from home um not a huge adjustment and you know look, he's already on campus he's at practice today so uh, he's ready to get after it. And again, it's it really starts with that accuracy, though. Yeah, I see that. And I was thinking about being in his shoes right now, 
joining the team at this point in the season. Like he's all by himself basically because the rest of his teammates aren't even there. And even if he was an early enrollee, he'd have at least um, at least a dozen other guys along with him. But I think that just tells you about his commitment. Now, before I get to my next question, I want to let the audience know that you watch as much film of these guys as anyone on the beat, if not more. And I'm not just saying that to gas you up because you're on the show. It's true. And it shows in your breakdown. So as you watch these guys throughout the fall, which players improved their stock the most during their senior season? Yeah, you know, um, so it's kind of a two-tiered answer for you. You know, you go into the season, we all have an idea of like who these players are. We've all watched their junior season film, you know, when they committed before or after they committed. And then their senior season comes along. We all have this picture of, you know, who they are and what they're good at, how good they are, and so forth. Um, and then in my experience watching the season right away, there's always a couple guys that jump out where it's, whoa, this guy is um, much more talented or much larger than I thought. Or I thought he was going to play this position. I think he's going to, now I think he's actually going to fit that one and so on. And, and right off the hop, a couple guys who really stood out to me uh, was Micah Gilbert uh, for starters, Charlotte Christian. They actually played a much, much more challenging schedule than I, I realized they played a whole bunch of the very best teams in North Carolina, you know, Providence day and um, just a lot of really high quality teams, Myers park, uh, you know, uh, just a lot of teams with division one power five talent. And then they also played a couple of teams from Georgia that were ranked in the top 100 nationally. And what I noticed, and I watched almost all of their games, no matter which defense they're playing, they could not contain them. They just couldn't. Um, as much as the, the quarterback could get him the ball accurately, he was catching passes all day long. Um, you know, he had, uh, I believe he averaged around 100 yards receiving per game. He had a, uh, several games over 100 yards receiving. Um, he's just a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more slippery. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a great comparison, but uh, I do kind of liken him a little bit, like kind of like a, a Jaden Thomas, but more agile, a little quicker, a little more agile. Um version of Jaden Thomas. Jaden Thomas, who's a really well-rounded receiver and kind of, um, I know that inside the program, he's known by, uh, as a bit of a jack of all trades and they can move him around. Micah Gilbert's the same thing. And in getting to know him a little bit more, um, this is a kid who was going to play division one basketball and took a big turn midway through high school and went after football instead, special athlete. And then later in the season, another guy who stood out at the beginning of the year, Logan Thomas, just, um, you know, initially he was listed like 6'3", 205. Man, I will eat crow if I'm wrong, but I, I, I'm i almost certain he's at least like 6'4 and a half. It's going to be over 6'4", I'm sure. He, uh, a lot of people I've talked to know him or seen him in person say he's more around 6'5". Bigger, uh, more aggressive, tough, gritty, can be mean street guy. Man, he was really, really sharp. And then later in the season – a few other guys who started to pop up kind of later in their senior year, Logan Saldate, <clears throat> uh, man, that kid, uh, just, again, uh, just more speed, more dynamic. Uh, that's a kid who's out in the field working on his routes, like obsessively like, every day. Um, and you can see it uh, really, really good in his routes. I think, just think he's going to be uh, a really um, exciting slot receiver for them. I think he might, I don't know if he has the this, this sheer speed of Jordan Faison, but I won't be surprised if he's one of those guys who kind of comes in and um, can prove that he can maybe play early or, you know, play at all at Notre Dame is a big deal. So um, really um, a guy who definitely rose there. Anthony Knapp, um, I don't know if his size is going to keep him confined 
to the center position um, or if, um, and I've been saying this to a few people, or if he could possibly have a Robert Hainsey-like experience where he's sort of, you know, 6'4", 275, coming out of high school and, you know, eventually gets to that 295, 300 range and, and can really play. But he is a very, very, very skilled offensive lineman. So we'll see what happens there with the size. He does not have a big frame to make that clear. But, you know, that's why they have these big strength and conditioning programs, right, and nutrition programs, and we'll sort of see how that goes. Um, but those are some guys that that really stood out to me uh, a lot. And then Bryce Young, just he – it was just a couple years ago when I first met him, and he had played mostly receiver, and he'd only played one year of football, and he was kind of clumsy. He kind of didn't really know what was going to happen there. I think he was about 210 pounds maybe, 215. And next thing you know, he is um, – like physically, he's not far off what uh, Keon Keeley was when, you know, I don't mean to touch on, on a sore subject there, but when when he was committed to Notre Dame, you know, that big like 6'6", 240, holy smokes. And if he keeps on taking those big steps each year, <clears throat> I'm just saying he, he I won't be surprised if he turns out to be the, the best player in the class in the long run. Uh, we'll see how that goes, though. Man, he's special. So that kind of rounds up the guys who, um, you know, there's others as well, but those are some off the top of my head there. Um, you know, improve their stock, at least in my eyes, through their senior year. Yeah, I love Saldate. And I was a little bit surprised when Notre Dame moved so quickly on him after Isaiah Canyon decommitted. Um, they needed a third receiver in the class. They moved on him quickly, and he wasn't ranked that high. And then I started to watch him a little bit more, and I was like, okay, I, I get it. We'll be right back with Kevin to talk more about Notre Dame's class of 2024. But first, I wanted to tell you about Fandle. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining Fandle lately, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. All right, for my pick this week... I'm going to be honest, I have not been great with my Thursday night football picks the past couple of weeks, but the best way to get out of a hole is by taking the Rams. Minus four and a half against the Saints at home on Thursday night football. I think we're just going to have to ride Kyron Williams until the wheels fall off. He has been one of the best running backs in the NFL this season. Um, Hopefully he's able to lead the Rams to a victory by more than four and a half points because that's what we're taking this week. Rams minus four and a half on Thursday night football. Visit Fandle.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season. Fandle, an official partner of the NFL. Who do you think is the best chance of contributing right away once they get on campus? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'd have to say Kingston, Villiamuaza. Um, you know, when you're a, like a superstar at St. John Bosco, um, you're as well coached as, as any, you know, prep or high school player in the country, more or less. Um, he started as a freshman, as a linebacker in that program. That's not something that happens very often. He is, um, you can just see the coaching in him and then just his natural sort of smarts and he, he gets it right. His um, quickness and reacting to the ball is just second to none. And then I, I and I've written, written about this, um, is sort of look at him as a triple threat linebacker in that one, he's as good as it gets in the box, just filling inside run, playing tough, uh, you know, football as a Mike linebacker in the front seven. 
And then second, he can really get after the quarterback where they'll roll him down to the edge and he'll rush the quarterback. He can dip and rip around big tackles. He's so skilled in getting off blocks and just jamming and extending and then uh, maneuvering off blocks, putting blockers on their backs. At times, he's so strong. He's, you know, 6'3", maybe a little more than 6'3", and 225, 230. And then thirdly, he's um, the thing that surprised me was how good he is in coverage. Um, you know, let's say there's a really athletic tight end split out in the slot. He can erase that guy down the seam. Um, you know, he, he's really good at reading backs out of the backfield and taking away swings and screen passes, pop passes. He's just, um, man, I uh, we all knew he was uh, an elite linebacker. But what I learned, I think, from watching really closely is that he's He's elite, but in a very well-rounded sense and a very sort of mature, sophisticated football sense, if that makes sense. No, I totally get it. Uh, I watched the St. John Bosco modern day game. They played twice this season. It's actually kind of weird because St. John Bosco smoked them the first game, and then they actually lost to modern day in the playoffs. But I tried to watch it and not be biased, but those two teams have so much division one talent on him. And to me, KVA was the best player on the field. He even played offense. Mm-hmm. His best play in the playoff game was a touchdown catch that he made with one hand with the defender draped all over him. Like he is such a good athlete. He has been playing top competition throughout his time in high school. So it makes sense that the transition going from high school to college would be the easiest for him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before we started doing this, I was looking at your rankings and comparing it to the composite and a couple names stood out to me. Is there a player or two that you think you're much higher on than some of the recruiting sites that are out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I did, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. <clears throat> uh, Cole Mullins is a kid that I really like. And I was really unfortunate that uh, he suffered an ankle injury. Uh, I talked to him about it. It was kind of similar to the ankle injury. You might remember that Tommy Tremble had coming out of high school, but not as severe. Um, where there's a bit of a dislocation there. I had to have a procedure. But I talked to him about maybe six weeks ago when the playoffs were coming up. And he said that, according to his trainers and coaches, he may have even been cleared in the next week or two to play in the playoffs. But he told me was even if if he was cleared, he was not going to play because he wanted to be 100% when he got to Notre Dame. But, you know, another kid from good stock, his dad was a big 6'4 quarterback at Utah State. He's an excellent baseball player. Um, But um, in my opinion, he had, coming out of high school, and I watched – lots of his game films uh whether it's inside linebacker outside linebacker weak side strong side end strong side uh and uh sorry weak side defensive end sorry strong side end uh, or tight end or h back i felt like at every one of those roles he was uh, had sort of a like high three star or low four star talent where i figure once he uh puts all of his focus on one position, which I think will be the defensive end position, um, he could really be something. He is a very, very, very intelligent kid. He comes from one of the very best programs, most well-coached programs, the very highest division of Georgia high school football. His team was ranked in the top 10 for most of the year, at least a large portion of the year. Um, He's super, super physically strong, uh, tenacious, athletic, super high motor, um, but he has this background as a linebacker. So his ability to chase the ball laterally is really good. Has, uh, But again, he was really, I talked to his head coach about it. He's really spread thin 
because he played so many roles. Again, played both defensive ends, played multiple linebacker positions, tight end, H back. Uh, coach said, man, once he focuses on the defensive end position, we, he said, we've barely had time to work on pass rushing skills with him. Uh, he's six foot four and a half, uh, about 240, 245 pounds. There's another guy I won't be surprised if he plays early. And I just think that he was sort of overlooked. Why? I'm not really too sure. He's in a very, you know, visible program there in Georgia. Um, but I think he's a fantastic player and, and um, he's one of those guys with a really high floor. Um, and he's also a perfect fit for Notre Dame. I think it was going to be sort of Notre Dame or Stanford, one or the other really good students. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I really like Cole Mullins a lot. Now, who are some guys that might need some time as they develop physically, but you think have a really high ceiling down the road? Yeah, um, two come to mind. Already talking about, about him earlier, Logan Thomas. Um, you know, once he puts on 20 pounds, look out. Um, he is... Okay, so again, he's, he's very tall and long. He does a great job of kind of weaponizing that length, keeping offensive linemen uh, out of his body. He's a really good long arm move. Um, he's, when I, as I watched him and watched him more and more and more through the season, he's got that bit of a, you know, flips the switch. It's nasty, mean. Um, the, you know, the more he may get frustrated if he's not getting off blocks, kind of nastier and more determined. You, see, you can just see it, right? He's uh, He gets jacked up um, when maybe things are kind of going his way. And then he comes up with the big plays, right? Really good at defending the run and he can get after the quarterback. You know, he's just, I believe he's around 210, 215. So he's going to have to put on a bunch of sides, right? Of course, but he's going to arrive at Notre Dame in just a couple of weeks. He'll have a whole off season to do so. Um, you know, let's say it takes a year and a half for him to get to that, you know, size that he needs to be. Uh, we'll see how much time it takes. But I think he could be really good long term. And the other one is Carson Hobbs. Um, you can go to Irish Illustrated and check out the highlights I've sort of put together myself on him. But, um, man, uh, that kid, he just uh, he's earned it. He wanted to become a better tackler and just on his own, not at the advice of anyone. Went and approached the rugby team. Can I kind of work with you guys so I can I'm trying to become a better tackler. He's taken up boxing recently. He's shredded from head to toe, just, you know, ripped, ripped muscle, um, extremely skilled man cover cornerback. Ohio is loaded with really good cornerbacks, and he's one of the very best man cover corners there. Um, just sort of added toughness, a chip on his shoulder sort of thing. It's some outstanding interceptions this season. Erased Lakota West's top receiver completely erased him in the playoffs um really high in ours and, and you know he's a wonderful young guy he's a, a fantastic kid grew up on notre dame football it's a really fun story his dad's a lifelong die hard notre dame fan he grew up watching the irish with his dad um you know not just kind of fond of notre dame i've no legit big time notre dame fan now he's going to notre dame so you know it's a little extra special for him. It means a lot to him it means the world to him um, and he's got a lot of talent. So I really like, uh, uh, you know, Logan Thomas, Carson Hobbs. They're getting some great talent out of Ohio. Yeah, I look at uh, Carson Hobbs and even Leonard Moore to a certain extent. Like, even if they're not 
uh, rated that high in the recruiting sites, like I just look at it as, oh, Mike Mickens wants him. Well, then they must be good. I think Mike Mickens has earned that kind of credibility with the guys that he has recruited to play for Notre Dame and the way that they've developed. Um, no better example than Benjamin Morrison. But you're right, a lot of Ohio talent there. Uh, big proponent of Ohio high school football on this on this podcast. So that's certainly exciting for me to hear. Before Kevin and I predict who will be the top player to come out of this class, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I used LinkedIn Jobs a couple years ago, and they made it easy to contact the hiring manager, learn more about the role, and eventually I got the job. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs just makes it easier than ever. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job, job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdowncouch. That's linkedin.com slash lockdowncouch to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love the running backs in this class, uh, Keaton Young and Aeneas Williams. They're both highly rated guys, and they have a ton of talent, but they're very different backs. So how would you describe their styles of play and yeah. really what makes them go? Yeah, um, good, great question. Man, I, it was so much fun just watching those two all season, um, you know, just as a guy who enjoys football, right? And yeah. Aeneas Williams scored 152 touchdowns in high school. And I know we always hear all these big numbers, but if you really think that's about an, that, that's an insane and, amount. Yeah. Yeah. 152 times he just sauntered into the end zone. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of scores. Right. And uh, anyways, he is like the, the definition of an all purpose back. Uh, he truly is. Uh, he can go out, man. I, I, I knew that he had pass catching ability, but there's a couple of times where I saw him actually split out wide and, and um, a really good release off the snap and just, just burn the cornerback deep, you know, create that separate and make these diving catches, you know, on 45 yard catches, things of that nature. And um, made some outstanding catches over the middle um, where he's, you know, going up one handed guy on his back. He's a really, really skilled receiver along with um, what he does, the running back position. He can pound the ball inside and high workload feature back kind of thing. He's outstanding uh, perimeter rushes, all your gadget plays, your screens, pop passes, bubble screens, um, you name it. And then you can put him in the slot. You can put him out wide. He's took direct snaps for his team. He played safety for his team and intercepted the football. Um, punt returner. Man, he's a uh, a really special player. And and so, you know, he he's there's a lot of Kyron William-like components. Kyron Williams is something special that you kind of, if you've seen it, you know what, I, what, what I'm referring to. Uh, really, really scrappy, kind of clawing and scraping uh, off tackles and uh, making people miss. I don't know if Aeneas is quite there yet, but I think he's even more versatile than Kyron. And I think he has more speed than Kyron uh, has ever had. So, but similar players, both from Missouri. And then Kedron Young is sort of, um, I would almost slot him sort of like somewhere in between Jadarian Price and Andrick Estimate because he's that big back. He's 225, 
It's not quite as big as Estime is, but he's, you know, 220, 225 pounds at around like 5'11". Um, and he can just run right through you. His speed is legitimate. Like he's a feature back. Like I won't be surprised at all if he's Notre Dame starting running back, you know, for multiple seasons. He's got that star element. Um, he's not quite uh, just that big downhill bruiser. He's got more than that, right? He can make you miss. Um, his jump cut is nasty. He can catch the football. Um, so he's not just a one trick pony. So you got this, um, powerhouse back with some, you know, lateral skills. And then you got this really, really versatile and exciting all purpose running back and man, talk about the perfect uh, sort of compliment, right? So, uh, really nice running backs class, no doubt. One player we haven't talked about is Gerby Lambert. Uh, he's a high four-star offensive tackle. He's actually the last guy to commit to Notre Dame, and that was way back in September. So it's been sort of a quiet few months here for this class. But Lambert, really highly touted, but he plays high school football in Massachusetts, not going up against the best competition. So it's probably going to take a little bit of time before he acclimates to, to the college level. But that being said, he's loaded with talent. And now Notre Dame is likely going to start their highest rated tackle in last year's class in Charles Jagasaw in the Sun Bowl. So maybe he's the left tackle for the future. Do you see Gerby Lambert as the tackle opposite of Jagasaw down the road, uh, maybe a little bit later in their careers? Yeah, absolutely. I can see it. Lambert, if you follow recruiting, you know that when you see an offensive line recruit, he's listed 6'6", 295. He's probably 6'5", 282, right? Um, with Lambert, he's one of those guys that turned out to be even bigger than we thought. Apparently, he's 6'7", you know, right around 300 pounds. He's a Crazy. very, very big kid. Interesting story. You know, he was a soccer player you know, who hadn't even thought about playing football. The, the big kid who gets talked into, you know, come out to the field when the coach sees him in the hallway sort of thing. And um, man, and you can, you can see it. There's so many times where I don't know if you can sort of picture this real makes sense, but there were so many times I was watching his, uh, their games, Catholic Memorial, where the quarterback would, would say, let's see, he hit the receiver 40 yards down the field on a post route and he caught it, he goes down, whistle blows and then, you know, how the teammates come running down to sort of congratulate or, you know, uh, celebrate with them. It was almost always Lambert, the first guy to that receiver or the running back who made the big play. There's a 300-pound guy outrunning everyone to get down there for a, an attaboy with his teammates. So, anyways, my point is, and he can really run, this kid, uh, Gwerby Lambert. He can really run and move. Um, so, the point there is the tackle position, absolutely. I I cannot see him being the guy who we all think is going to be a tackle and then it, oh well he's just he's not quite laterally quick enough and he's going to be a guard now i don't see that he has everything you need six seven three hundred he's got the the height and the length he's just like like physically he's he's kind of like the perfect offensive line recruit just from the the physical standpoint um isn't really much bad weight there which is kind of crazy uh, at that size and um the other thing I noticed about him is he, you know, I've, I've interviewed him in the past. He's a very sort of, I uh, describe him as sort of a measured, quiet, really, really intelligent kid. Um, so I was surprised to see uh, on the field this year when he was just downright hostile to defensive linemen that he was playing against, uh, like uh, like it was personal to him, um, uh, like uh, 
played with almost a, a rage at times. Uh, and, and man, is that ever uh, a nice thing to see for an offensive line because it is such a violent uh, uh, fist fight in those trenches, right? And so, again, that, that, that size, that movement, his passion for football, man, like there's no one who's more excited when one of his teammates can make a play than Gwerby Lambert. He is their number one fan. He's sprinting down the field at 300 pounds to, to sort of uh, celebrate with them. And then he's he is mean when he wants to be. I, I don't know sort of what sometimes sort of sets him off, uh, but he is an unkind football player in the trenches uh, to his opponents at times. So mean streak, size, movement, man, I love it. You know, really bright kid too. Will fit really well at Notre Dame. Yeah, the way you talk about him, it kind of reminds me of Quentin Nelson because he was known for pancaking a dude and then being the first down the field to pick up his teammate, whoever was carrying the ball. Although. I wouldn't say that Big Q was quite as measured uh, off the field. So they're a little bit different in that respect. Um, Okay, this isn't a perfect class. There's obviously some question marks. So when you look at it, uh, what what are the biggest question marks that stand out to you? Yeah, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, again, quarterback, receiver, defensive end, uh, really, really important there, right? I also felt safety was very, very important. Because the whole slew of just misses or bad evaluations, transfers, um, classes with not enough safeties, uh, dating back to you know 2019, all the way through. So um, I really like a Don Schuler and Ben Minnick. Ben Minnick's from the the last class. I think they have good futures. Um, but in this class, again, such a hole there. Like they, there's no sophomore safeties at Notre Dame right now. None. Um, DJ Brown's on his way out. Antonio Carter re-entered the transfer portal. Ramon Henderson entered the transfer portal. Thomas Harper's out. Um, you know, ex- we'll see what happens sort of here. Xavier Watts and all that. But there's only going to be a couple upperclassmen there. And then Adon Schuler and Ben Mitchell. Yeah, that was a big need. Um, they've added multiple safeties. Here's one thing I do believe. Tabron Benny Powell. And I, I could be wrong here. I think, though, there's a good chance he could end up playing nickel. Like I could see his blueprint being Thomas Harper's job, okay, which isn't exactly the safety position. That's the nickel position. So really, I feel like they kind of added two safeties there. And again, one of those safeties is Bronte Johnson, who's a he's a fantastic athlete. Um, uh, almost all the football I've seen him play, though, has either been a receiver or a dual threat quarterback. I haven't seen him play safety a lot. He, I do know from talking with some people from Fort Wayne that he's played plenty of defensive back in his life, but um, didn't play a whole lot of defensive back these last couple of years of high school, which matters. And anyways, I just think it's going to be, a, you know, uh, it's going to take time to, to get him conditioned to that position. If he can apply all that, you know, talent that he has and, and come along well, he could be a really good player for them. And then Kennedy Urlacher, um, I really think that's another one of those sort of longer term guys, right? I don't really like the term project because I, I feel like it sounds like a smear and that's not what I mean. Um, but, you know, he's a, a guy who's going to take some time to to come along, like most college players do. Um, I could see Kennedy or Lacker being, you know, getting his start out on special teams and, and making his plays and finding his way to the field eventually from there. But anyhow, they addressed the safety position. I just feel like they, they could have used a, you know, big impact guy or a guy who could come in and play early. Uh, we'll see how it goes, though, you know. Um, this is an interesting class where Marcus Freeman is kind of like, I feel like there's a, a kind of a different brand of three-star recruit. Some of these guys like Teddy Rezac and uh, Kennedy Erlacher and Sean Cevillano. It's going to be interesting to see 
Um, if there's like, you know, some big time evaluation wins there where these guys end up, you know, really outperforming, we'll see how that goes. The other uh, spot where, um, you know, I feel like it came up a little bit short is defensive tackle. You know, I really like Sevillano. I think that's a really nice nose tackle for them. But I've been saying for a long time, they really need that like big, you know, uh, six, four, six, five, big defensive tackle, um, with skill. I can probably come in and play early ish. Right. Riley Mills uh, won't be around much longer. Howard Cross, uh, same story there. I really like having Rubio and Anya. Right. Um, we'll see kind of what happens with guys like Tyson Ford and Devin Houston and so on. I think that coming up a bit short at defensive tackle this year will not hurt them next fall because of what they have returning the whole two deep there with Mills and Cross and Rubio and Anya and so on. But in a couple of years, it's hard to kind of draw up a 25, 2025, 2026 depth chart, right? So, you know, we'll see if they can shore that up uh, through the 2025 recruiting class and the transfer portal and whatnot over the next year or two. But yeah, I feel like safety, defensive tackle, those are a couple of areas where they maybe, you know, could have used a little bit more. But then when you're landing Cam Williams and Kingston Villiamuasa and Bryce Young and Gerby Lambert and Kedron Young and CJ Carr and all of these guys, um, it's can be. I know there's some pessimistic people, but I find it kind of hard to kind of dwell on that too much uh, with what they have coming in. All right, last question here. Let's end it on a high note. There's a lot of talented guys in this class, but you've got to pick one. Who do you think will have the best career at Notre Dame? Whew. You know, I was sort of working on that question for some signing day content while I'm coming out uh, on Wednesday. Uh, it was really difficult because I had sort of two. It's really tough tug and pull. And I'll say this. Uh, for me, if I just have to guess, then that's a really tough question. Of you course. could cheat a little bit. You could say two. No. <laughs> but uh, I went with Bryce Young, and, he, and here's why. I, I think Kingston Villiamuaza is the best and most prepared football player, most talented player right now and coming into the program. I think Bryce Young is just a, a little bit behind him, but his long-term potential – is uh, we don't know what it is. The, the leaps he's taken from year to year has been substantial. Again, just a couple of years ago, he was a kid who just started playing football and he was a clumsy receiver that no one knew and had no offers. Now he's an All-American defensive end. He's 6'6 and 240 and, and dominant. He's Bryant Young's son and he is everything you would assume that would mean that would mean but he's 6'6", right? And he's uh, been coached by his dad. Bryant Young is the defensive line coach and became a defensive coordinator later in the season at his program this year. So imagine what it means to be Bryant Young's son, but also coached by him legitimately um, all through high school. And so I just think his long-term potential could be more than anyone's in this class. So that's uh, that's my pick. I could be wrong. And if I think if I am wrong, it'll be Kingston or CJ Carr. But we'll see. All right, you can find all of Kevin's work on irishillustrated.com. I know the team over there is going to be pumping out more signing day content all week long, so be sure to check it out. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on, man, especially during such a busy week. I really appreciate it, and we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always good talking with you, Tyler. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. I will be back tomorrow with Luke Smith to do our end-of-season awards show. It's one of my favorite segments every single year, so I can't wait, and you're not going to want to miss it. Before you head out, 
Please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Spotify and on social media. The X account is at LockedOnIrish. Instagram is at LockedOnIrishPod. And my personal X account is at TylerWOJCIAK. I'll see you guys tomorrow.